Hey, it's Andrew. Just quickly before we start this episode, I want to tell you about one of my favorite podcasts, the Secure Ventures Podcast. The host, Kyle McNulty, interviews cybersecurity founders about what they are building. I enjoy it because Kyle focuses on their technology, what it solves, why they build it, where it fits in the market. Also, listeners can understand the why of these startups. In some ways, it's a great compliment to my own podcast, where I focus on the go-to-market side, not on the technology side. He's had some great guests on recently, for example, the CEO of Reality Defender, when they talked about the ins and outs of deep fate detection. Uh, he's had the co-founder and CEO of Ghost Security, and also the co-founder of Radical, Chris Peterson, who was incidentally a founder of Logarithm, where they talk about the role of AI in the SOC. This is not a paid promotion. I just simply enjoy what Kyle is doing with his interviews and get a lot out of them. Check it out. It's the Secure Ventures podcast. Now on with this episode. Welcome to the Cybersecurity Startup Revenue Podcast, where we help cybersecurity companies grow revenue faster. I am your host, Andrew Monaghan, and today we're talking about one way that sales often slows down as you scale the sales team. So let me ask you, have you ever had it when sales is growing, you know, revenue is growing, and you start adding more heads into the group, um, into the sales and or the marketing, frankly? And something what you find is that sales growth slows down. You're still growing, but not quite at the rate you thought. Your reps are not producing as much per head as you were expecting them to do. And questions are starting to be asked internally about what's going on, right? Why are we not doing this in, uh, in the way that we thought, right? And when that happens, often what we do is you look to things such as uh, shifts in the market, right? Has something changed in the market that caused this to happen? Maybe some competitors have grown stronger or there's been more entrance into the market. Pipeline generation is not working. We start casting shadows and looking at pipeline and who's doing what and how productive they're being and things like that. And then inevitably, after all that introspection, things change. You know, we make changes. We decide to go after new markets. We look at new use cases, new channels, new ways of, of doing things, maybe reposition the company a little bit, right? A lot can happen based on looking at uh, why things were slowing down and thinking about other factors uh, going on. But often this exacerbates the problem because it actually doesn't get to one of the root causes. And let me tell you a story. So in June 2007, uh, Joe Sexton joined McAfee as its sales leader. And at the time, the sales team was probably somewhere between 500 and 1,000 people. And Joe joined the team and, you know, naturally, as any good leader would do, decides to go out into the field and, you know, work with the team, see what's going on, listen to people, listen to prospects, listen to salespeople and, and learn. Now, one of the things that uh, his observations was that uh, people were not describing McAfee in the same way. In fact, I think he said, if you ask 50 sellers what McAfee does, you would get probably 60 different answers. And that's not good, right? Everyone's you know, not only singing from a different hymn sheet, they're creating their own hymn sheets and doing it a slightly different way. And what Joe saw in that environment was what I call go-to-market dispersion. Go-to-market dispersion. And that's when, as your go-to-market team expands, as you bring in new people, what comes with new people is their experiences, their style, their way of doing things, their way of doing qualification, their way of doing presentations, their way of doing demos, things like that, right? And some of that is good, and some of it is not so good. In fact, it can be you know, debilitating for the sales team at times. 
And it reminds me of something that's, that's near and dear to my heart, which is that scaling is not about adding sellers. Scaling is about building and executing a repeatable revenue engine. But if your sellers are all doing different things, you don't have a repeatable revenue engine to scale. What you have is a whole bunch of people in their speedboats zipping around the lake doing their thing. And sometimes it's, it'll work great, right? The numbers will look fantastic and you'll, you'll get there somehow, right? And sometimes it doesn't. And that's where the problem lies. The dispersion is when the team is deviating from the path that we want them to follow when it comes to executing a sales process. So what do we do about it? Well, let me give you three ideas and three things to think about whether you can do any of these three, three things better. The first one is lead from the absolute top of the company with messaging and positioning and handling key questions that were asked in sales cycles. And when I say top of the company, I really mean CEO, CMO, CRO, chief product officer, whoever are the leading lights in the company internally, but also externally. People that go on sales calls are involved in sales cycles. Uh, they should all do this, right? They should have the same way of doing things every time. You know, imagine you go out and you're working with the CEO and he says one thing, the CMO says something else, the chief product officer, she says something completely different, right? You're not only confusing people internally, but you're also confusing the market as well. And uh, you know, they should be modeling the same way of doing things for, for prospects and salespeople and everyone internally. And it starts with maybe, you know, just think about you know, sales calls, right? Just making sure that they're all on the same page in that, but also internally as well. You know, when we're talking about these these big internal meetings we have, you know, don't assume that everyone internally is as bored talking about the the position of the company as you might be, right? The fact that you've said it three times a day for the last, you know, two months doesn't matter. It's the fact that the person who just joined or joined the last few weeks or wasn't at the last meeting kind of forgot a little bit, and it's your chance to bring them back together. So that's one thing. Lead from the top, get on the same page with how we do things and and model it for everyone to see. The second one is, you know, we live in an interesting time right now where conversation intelligence tools have become pretty normal. Now, I get it in cybersecurity. You know, some people believe that uh, we shouldn't be using these tools because it'll put prospects off. You know, let me tell you, there's a lot of cybersecurity companies recording a lot of calls and analyzing them and getting better by doing that. Now, not every prospect agrees to have the call recorded, but we have these tools at our disposal, so we should use them. If you're a first-line manager, you know, you know what you should be doing, right? It should be coaching. It should be encouraging good things and coaching and, rec- and, and correcting uh, the things that we're ex- not expecting to happen, such as going off a brand on messaging and, and how we're doing things, right? I, I think uh, in, in larger sales forces, sometimes the CRO or the SVPs or VPs, I don't know whether they don't believe it's their job to listen to calls or they just can't seem to find the time. Uh, I would challenge you if you're one of these people that are senior to say, could you spend one hour per week going into gong or chorus or something, whatever you have, and picking out a couple of examples of where someone did something great and a couple of examples where not so great things were happening. For the great things, just send emails out to you know sales all and say, listen to what Johnny or, or Jane said about this. This is awesome. And then for where things are not done so well, back channel it through their manager, message them direct. And, and say, look, you know, we've got a set way of, of answering this question. What does the company do? And you didn't do it. Uh, how can we help you get on on the message and, and doing things the, the right way, right? So I really challenge to you, you to use the tools at your disposal to go into that level of detail 
and make sure it's done. What I often see in in uh, sales teams is um, people doing the encouragement and the call out for things that are good, which is great. We should definitely be doing that. But less people are doing the the corrections, and you know that's what we need to focus in on when it comes to this. Third idea is as soon as you can afford it in the budget, bring someone in who's a specialist for enablement or for uh, sales effectiveness, something like that. You know the, the titles that you're looking for, right? And there's two ways to do that, right? You can bring someone in as an employee or you can bring someone in as an outside consultant. I think on the employee side, you'll be just a little bit careful. Um, I see three different levels of people in that role. One is quite a junior one, right? You're tempted by you know, a package or a commitment for the budget that's not that big, right? We can get someone in and they'll do a decent job. I would really encourage you not to go cheap on this. Uh, what you're going to do if you bring in someone cheap, you'll bring in essentially a program manager or project manager who doesn't have much credibility with the sales team. They're, they're often known as being great people and nice and all, but they don't have any credibility when they're trying to construct programs that really make a difference in, in, uh, in transforming how people sell and helping them get on the same page as the rest of the sales team. So you'll have a great person. They'll keep the plate split, spinning. In the day, they won't move the needle. So I would encourage you to look at someone more middle to senior and paying the money to make sure you get those people coming in because they're the people that will make the difference for you. I'd hate for you to you know, do this and six months later, you're sitting there going, well, enablement didn't work for us, right? Uh, enablement is not as effective and you're basically tarnishing uh, a whole practice that could be really effective for you with a brush because you, you brought someone in quite junior. And then of course you can look to outside consultants. Uh, that's what I do. Uh, I just be very specific what you're looking for. Make sure that person has domain experience. Make sure they've got uh, even sales experience in your domain, right? So they really can, you know, talk to what they've experienced over the years and, you know, talk the same language as your reps. They'll have a lot more credibility when they're trying to transform how people sell if they've been there and done that before. So there's three ideas about how to try and avoid this go-to-market dispersion. I'll leave you with one thought, though, and it is that this is all about the 80%. And I think the best analogy to give is is thinking about, you know, traveling from one place to another. Let's say you're, you know, the goal of the company is to get from San Francisco to to New York. Let's say I'm just, you know, go the analogy, right? What we want to do is everyone going the same direction. What we want everyone to do is to be on the same freeway. Right? They don't have to be in the exact same lane, though. Right, You're always going to have people come in with their their great experiences and their unique way of doing things and their style and just ways for us to get better. We can't ignore that. Right, You don't want to bring in great sellers and somehow tell them, no, you have to do this word for word. Right, They're going to walk out the door immediately if you try and do that. We want to embrace what's going to be unique and exciting about having them. But for 80% of the time, we've got to be on the same page what we're doing. When this goes bad... When things don't work out, what you have is everyone going from San Francisco to New York, but they're all taking different modes of transport, right? It's planes, trains, and automobiles. Some are flying, some are driving, some are on a bus, some are on a ferry, some are cycling, some are on a motorbike, you know, and everyone's kind of just doing their thing, figuring out the best way to go. I, I take a motorbike because I, I love driving my Harley, right? Or I, I took a United planes on 1K, and therefore I get upgraded and all the rest of it. That's not what we want, right? We want everyone going the same direction on the same freeway with some leeway to be in slightly different lanes. So that's my challenge for you is get everyone on the same freeway and keep them there.
It would mean a lot to me and to the continued growth of the show if you'd help get the word out. So how do you do that easily? There are two ways. Firstly, just simply send a link to a friend. Send a link to the show, to this episode. Um, you can email it, text it, Slack it, whatever works for you and is easy for you. The second way is to leave a super quick rating. And sometimes that can seem complicated, so I've made it as easy for you as I can. You simply have to go to ratethispodcast.com slash cyber. That's ratethispodcast.com slash cyber and explains exactly how to do it. Either of these ways will take you less than 30 seconds to do, and it will mean the world to me. So thank you.